Amen. Thank you to the praise team. Um, it is a new year, so happy new year, everyone. Thank you. It's 2018. Uh, I love New Year's celebrations. Uh, everything feels so fresh, you know, so, uh, so much potential, so much anticipation of this new year. And actually, 2018 is a big year for me personally. Um, I turn 4-0 this year, big 40. And uh, somebody else in my family of four also turns 4-0. I won't say who, um, but somebody else in my family of four turns 4-0, uh, turns 40. This is the year that my son will probably, Lord willing, get his license, and my daughter turns, in, turns a teenager. Uh, Lord willing, this year I'll visit Israel for the first time in my life, and Jerusalem and all that. This is a big year for me and for my family. I'm excited about this new year. Um, I think we need wisdom. I think we need wisdom as we approach this new year because lots of decisions will be made for all of us, whether that has to do with marriage or parenting or or our church or finances or with our job or with ministries that we do. Uh, We always need wisdom. Uh, When you think about it, your life right now, right here, is a result of a compilation of decisions that you've made up in a lifetime. You're here where you are right here right now and you are who you are partly as a result of a compilation of decisions you've made over your life, good and bad. And, Lord willing, of course, you have many more decisions to come going forward. So I think this is a good time to start thinking about wisdom, (laughs) talking about wisdom, wisdom for the new year. We're going to do a short, just a January series on wisdom for the new year. And this first one is called Ask God for Wisdom. We're going to look at the book of James. So two years ago, we did wisdom for the new year in 2016 and we're doing it again last time we did proverbs this time we're doing the book of james which the letter to james which is important because in many ways james is sometimes called the the proverbs of the new testament it's the book that deals with wisdom perhaps the most um, in the new testament but how do we get wisdom how do we get wisdom look with me at james chapter 1 verses 5 through 8 just a short section this morning james 1 5 through 8 this is what uh, the gospel, I mean, the, the writer, the scripture writer, James, who's an earthly brother of Jesus, half-brother, says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Ask God for wisdom this new year. Uh, three is an outline in your bulletin, as always, if you'd like to look along. Uh, we're going to look at uh, ask God for wisdom because we need it. <laughs> then ask God for wisdom because he gives generously, which is so important. And then ask God in faith, not doubting, that he can actually give wisdom to us. So first, ask God for wisdom because we need it. In chapter, uh, verse 5, first part of verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. So he starts off with a conditional clause, if, if what? If you lack wisdom. And the reality is we all lack wisdom, I think. We all lack wisdom in different areas of life. Uh, there's a certain area of your life right now where you need wisdom. I'm going to guess, and I think that's true. Um, Actually, the context of this whole section here in James is the broader issue of suffering. 
uh, how to deal, how we need wisdom when it comes to suffering. In verse 2 through 4, right before this, the paragraph says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Then he says, if anyone lacks wisdom. So he knows particularly when it comes to suffering, we need wisdom. But I think he's really talking in broader terms. We, we all need wisdom. Whenever we lack wisdom, we look to God. What should we do? Ask God. <laughs> Go directly to the source of where real, true, and eternal wisdom comes from. It comes from God. He is the God only wise. Look at Mitch, the loving husband, bringing a cough drop to his wife. Love that. But God is the one who is eternally wise. That's the great hymn, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise, in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes, most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. So we look to God who is infinitely wise. What does that mean to ask God? Well, very simply, it's talking about prayer. Uh, talk to God. Ask him for it. We need wisdom, Lord. I need wisdom. Please give me wisdom. Part of prayer is supplication or to ask God for certain things. Uh, if you want to know what prayer is, this has been helpful for me for many years. Think of the word acts, A-C-T-S. Uh, acknowledge who God is or adore God for who he is. See, confess your sins to him. The T is thanksgiving, give thanks to God. And then the S is supplication. Go ahead and ask God for things. We're supposed to ask God for stuff. And one of the things we ask God for is wisdom. Now, what is wisdom, though? Uh, the way the Bible describes wisdom sometimes, it's like a journey in the woods. And in the woods, you've got all these different paths that you can go. And wisdom is to know how to take the right path. You know, do I take a left here or do I take a right? Uh, which way is going to lead ultimately to greater fruitfulness in my life? What, what's going to lead to greater happiness in God? Greater prosperity in the biblical sense of prosperity. Knowing which path to take is extremely important. Uh, I remember I uh, climbed Mount Washington with my, my brother James here, and uh, we accidentally took a wrong turn, uh, which took us the steepest way to the top of Mount Washington, which ended up being fine, actually. It saved us some time. It made it more fun. Uh, it really wasn't a big deal. But it, it could have been <laughs> in a more dangerous mountain. So, for example, if you were to climb Mount Everest... Uh, first of all, you've got to decide where to climb from. There's the north side, there's the south side, the Nepal side, the Tibetan side. And then you make your decision there. And then as you go up, there's plenty of snowfalls, plenty of avalanche issues, plenty of wrong turns that you can take. Your life is at stake based on whether you make the right turn to the left or to the right. Wisdom is seen as understanding how to take the right path. Now, of course, it makes sense that God, who created us, who made us in his own image, he knows <laughs> what is the right path. And so how do we know which is the right path? By going to God and asking for wisdom. Now you think about it, friends. He's the engineer. If you want to know how a product works, talk to the engineer. <laughs> he or she is probably going to have the best understanding as to how that product works. If you want to know what a, a book is really about, you know, a confusing book, talk to the author. The author will give you the insight. If you don't know what a piece of art really means, you, know, you see some of this modern art, you look at it and you say, I have no clue what this piece of art is supposed to be, or what it's supposed to say. Well, talk to the artist. The artist will give you some clarity. He says here, if anyone lacks wisdom, go to God. Ask him. Look to him. How do we do that? We look to his word, which is what we're doing right now. But as he says here, 
We look to him in prayer. The word tells us actually to go to him, to ask him for wisdom. Uh, to ask God for wisdom is to first know that you need it, uh, to, that you lack wisdom, right? It's until you realize that you lack wisdom, you're not going to ever ask God for wisdom. Uh, they say the most foolish person is the person who thinks they're wise. Uh, so, uh, uh, Socrates, most people say one of the wisest men in history, Socrates says the only true wisdom is knowing that you know nothing. <laughs> Which is probably a little overstated, but you get his idea. Wisdom first recognizes that you lack wisdom. Or Seneca said, many persons might have attained to wisdom had they not assumed that they already possessed it. The first comes with a recognition that we need wisdom. I love the story of Solomon. Many of you guys, many of you guys, I'm sure, have heard this before. But God says to Solomon, ask me for anything you want uh, in a vision. And Solomon says, he thinks about it and says, Lord, give me wisdom to govern, to, to rule these people wisely. And God says, because you didn't ask for riches or fame and glory and all that, uh, but you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom. And by the way, I'm also going to throw, up the, throw on the, uh, the fame and the and the fortune and all that on top of that as well. But you asked, you had your priorities right. You looked for wisdom first. You recognized your need of wisdom. Friends, I think we especially need wisdom during times of trial. As I said, that's the actual context of this section, that when we are going through a hard time, that's when we need wisdom because then we're tempted to sin. When people face a difficult time, that's when they're tempted to sort of lose faith in God, grow angry at God, or maybe even doubt that God's even there, that there is a God in control. Or we turn to a substance at that point in time for refuge, whether that's drink or drugs or whatever it may be. Or we fall into a time of depression or despair. Ask God for wisdom as you face trials. And also, this also assumes a relationship with God. Uh, usually you don't go to a complete stranger to ask him or her for something. Uh, this assumes that we're people who already know Jesus. We're already in relationship with God. And that relationship comes through faith in Christ. That we are, set up, we are separated from God in our sin. But that Christ has redeemed us and brought us into a right and restored relationship with our Creator. By faith in Him and what He's done for us on the cross. That's what's assumed here. And so friends, if you don't know Jesus yet, uh, don't worry about the wisdom part. Come to that later. First, come into a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus. And then in that ongoing relationship that we have with our Creator, we go to Him and we ask Him for things. I think He's talking here about a life of prayer, not sort of a one-and-done thing. You know, I ask God for wisdom once and I'm done with it. No, the Bible always commends persistent, regular prayer, wrestling with God in prayer, asking Him to provide for us, to ask God for wisdom because we know we need it. But then ask God for wisdom because... He gives generously. He gives generously. Uh, look what it says. Who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. In verse 5, second part of verse 5. God gives wisdom. And not only does he give it, he gives it generously. Uh, God has a limitless amount of wisdom. So don't think of wisdom like a substance. You know, that God only has so many units of wisdom. And he can only give out so much before he runs out. It doesn't work like that. He has an unlimited amount of wisdom, and he is very generous to give it to us. And it says he gives it to us without reproach. Uh, God doesn't get mad at you for asking for wisdom. He's not upset with you. He doesn't mock you. He's not disappointed in you because you're saying, God, I need wisdom in this situation. You think about it, that's what we tend to do, right? 
when we give somebody something, uh, we tend to want to, first of all, not be overly generous. We want to portion it out. I can't give you too much. I don't want to spoil you. And then sometimes we like to give with a little bit of a reproach. You know, I shouldn't even have to give this to you after all. Or how come you can't get this on your own? No, with God, it's different. He gives without reproach. He gives generously. And James says, if you ask him, it will be given. (laughs) He's confident that this is a prayer that God loves to answer. He's confident by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but also probably by his own experience as somebody who needed wisdom. Uh, James, in his past, uh, was not a believer in his brother, his half-brother Jesus, during Jesus' earthly life. Uh, He actually kind of mocked Jesus and didn't follow him until after the resurrection. So eventually God gives him wisdom and he becomes a leader in the early church. When you think about it, friends, some prayers, some prayers God seems to love to answer. Lord, will you be my Savior and Lord? God loves to answer that prayer. (laughs) Actually, the Bible says he rejoices to answer that prayer. He says that the angels throw a whole party (laughs) in heaven. They celebrate to answer that prayer. Uh, He loves to answer the prayer of, will you be my Savior and will you be my Lord? The church also celebrates as well. So if you come to know Christ for the first time and get you in front of the church and be baptized and all that. It's a celebration for all of us. Others, other prayers God isn't always overly uh, eager to answer necessarily. Uh, Lord, make me rich. Yeah, that one's not so great, all right? Sometimes maybe, but that's really not as... Uh, Lord, help my team to win the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know. I mean, sometimes yes, you know, sometimes no. Uh, One that he doesn't seem to like to answer for me is, Lord, make my golf game better. That one just never gets answered for me. I don't know why. Uh, There are prayers that God doesn't seem to be eager to answer. But friends, in this one, we have a scriptural assurance. Lord, make me wise. James says, it will be given. Ask him for it, and God will give it to you. Now, let me get clear. I don't think I'm wise. (laughs) I really don't. Uh, but I do remember a time in college where I remember reading this section of Scripture, and I remember thinking, okay, God says right here, ask for wisdom. All right, I'm going to ask for wisdom. God, make me wise. And, and I prayed that prayer. And, um, it was interesting. I was taking this one class, and at the end of the class, everyone in the class has to write up sort of a little statement, a little sentence about you. We did a, you know, you write it for everybody else in the class, they write it for you, and so forth. And it was interesting to see that all my other classmates, the one thing they seemed to recognize about me, they said, He's very wise. <laughs> and I thought, wow, God, you really did answer that in a very direct, specific way. Ask God for wisdom because he gives generously. Friends, make it a point this year to know the character of God. Actually, what it says literally is we have a, a giving God. <laughs> Go to the giving God. He's a God who loves to give, and he gives generously. And know his character. Know that he is generous and that he's gracious. He's merciful, that God is compassionate, and that he's loving. You know, I've heard it said we, we really don't have any direct um, access to God, in a sense. We do through Christ, but relationally. But we really only know God through his gifts, through the mediation of his gifts, whether that's through his son, of course, or his spirit's presence, or whether that's through people that he puts, the church family. And how else do we know a God who is infinite and, and who is spirit? When you look at his gifts, don't you see his grace and his love, his mercy? I look at my wife and my kids. I look at my church family, my friends, and I see the mercy and the love of God. And certainly in the scriptures, which is his greatest revelation, 
of himself outside of his son. We see a God who is merciful. But don't just stop there. Consider his holiness. Consider his justice, his power, and his glory. Um, the Friday morning men's group is studying Ezekiel. Uh, I've never known, I said this before, I've never known a Bible study that did Ezekiel. So this is the first one, and I think the Thursday morning one group did it as well. Uh, Ezekiel, we're in chapter 20, and it's like, I don't know how many chapters in Ezekiel, but it's a long book about the holiness and justice of God. (laughs) And it's intimidating to work through and see the power and the glory of God. But what a good reminder it is to the people in that group of who God really is. One person said before, I can't respect a God who doesn't turn tables. (laughs) at times, who doesn't get angry at injustice, as we see in Christ. God is also the God when we see the rise and who is, who is sovereign over the rise and fall of empires, as we've seen in the book of Daniel. Friends, understand who God is. Study scripture this year. Make it a point. It's a new year. Get on a Bible reading plan. Get into the scriptures every day. I mean, I just really can't encourage you enough how much that will make an impact in your life. Um, if you miss a day, just get right back to it. It's okay. Just keep going. Get, get yourself into the scriptures. Read good books. Uh, I was uh, just thinking about the book, uh, The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. I don't know if anyone knows who R.C. Sproul is, but he passed away just a, a week or two ago. Uh, I'm going to miss R.C. Sproul, but uh, that book, The Holiness of God, is just a great book to, again, break open the really who the character of God really is. I like it. He talks about uh, Uzzah. Anyone know who Uzzah is? There's a real Bible trivia question. Well, David was carrying the ark of God, or he had his people carrying the ark of God into Jerusalem. And Uzzah was one of the people carrying the poles uh, on the ark of God. And the ark began to slip off of his shoulder. So Uzzah reached out and he tried to steady the ark with his hand. And God struck him down dead right there on the spot. And it says that David was angry at God. He was that God would be so uh, just, that God would be so wrathful against him just for trying to study the ark. I studied the Ark of the Covenant. But I like what R.C. Sproul says, this from the holiness of God. The presumptuous sin of Uzzah was that he assumed his hands were less polluted than the dirt. Consider for a bit the holiness of the God we serve. Think about his character of generosity, his character of love, but his character of holiness and glory as well. And third, friends, ask God in faith, not doubting that he can give it. Look at verses 6 through 8. Ask him in faith, not doubting he can give. He gives us some guidelines, really, about how to ask God for wisdom. And he says, ask with faith. Don't don't doubt. Believe that God will answer this prayer. Believe that he is the sovereign God who is in control of everything. He's the eternally wise God, and he will answer this prayer. Don't believe, don't ask in doubt. Uh, he describes a doubter. A doubter is like a wave tossed by the sea. You know, the wind just blows it from one place to the next. Uh, I guess it's the difference between a seagull and a seal. Uh, I was at the beach before. I mean, everyone sees seagulls at the beach, right? And they sit and they fly and they fly on top of the, the waves. And what do they do? They're just blown from one place to the next. Wherever the waves are moving, the seagull gets moved everywhere. But one day I was at Salisbury Beach and there was a seal in the water, in the shallower part of the water. And that seal could just move like lightning in the water. 
The waves made no difference to where it wanted to go. Uh, it could, it was, we tried to chase it just to see it. And from one end of the beach to the other, boom, under the water, above the water, wherever it wanted to go, it could move. He's saying, friends, don't be like a doubter who's just blown back and forth like a seagull on top of the waves. He says the doubter shouldn't expect anything. Don't expect God to answer your prayers if you don't even believe he can actually do it. He says he's a double-minded person, an unstable person. Prays on a whim. And he says, you know, friends, that things, certain things can't actually hinder your prayers. And one of them is to pray with a spirit of doubt. Another one, by the way, a little bit of an aside here, is uh, it tells husbands, 1 Peter 3, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to them, uh, since they are the heirs with you of grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I think that's interesting. So, husbands, if you don't treat your wives well, he's saying, that will hinder your prayers. <laughs> don't expect God to hear your prayers if you don't treat your spouse well. But he says here, those who go to him in doubt shouldn't expect any answer at all. Friends, we are to trust God when we go to him in prayer. Trust him that he can answer. The doubter is one who says one thing, does another. He's got his private persona, and then he's got his public persona, and they're not the same. He loves the world, but all at the same time, he claims to love God. Shouldn't expect anything. Is doubting bad? Uh, just to, uh, what is he talking about here? What is this doubting of God? Well, doubting is bad. Yes and no, I would say. Uh, I don't think James is against somebody asking good questions, trying to find the answer to difficult things, working out their faith. That's not what he's talking about here. So in one sense, no, doubting is not bad. If by doubting you mean being honest with God about your doubts. So if you do doubt God, tell him that you doubt him. I mean, don't, don't keep it a secret. He already knows your heart anyway. It's not, you're not keeping a secret from anybody. So be honest with God if you do doubt him. And then work through those doubts to try to grow stronger in your faith. Um, I, I, I've, one thing I've found is people, of course, ask me lots of questions about God or theological struggles that they might have. And one thing I've found is that all the questions begin to sound alike. Uh, there's no question that you can ask about God. There's no doubt that you have that somebody else hasn't had a million times. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus. Any question you have about God, trust me in this, there's a good answer for it. <laughs> because it's been asked a million times and people have thought through it carefully. I like the story of Lee Strobel. Uh, he was a writer for the Chicago Tribune. Uh, his wife became a believer, and he uh, was very bitter about that, so he began to do some research to understand the Christian faith. He actually went around and interviewed different uh, pastors and theologians, and eventually, as he began to ask these questions, he himself became, became a Christian and came to faith. So his doubt actually led him to faith in Jesus. But if you mean by doubting somebody who doubts and does nothing about it, just sort of sits there in their doubts. And that is, of course, not what the Scripture would have us do. A doubt is the opposite of faith. So if you have faith, you don't doubt. If you doubt, you don't have faith. And so to sit there in doubt with no pursuit of greater faith is deadly for your soul. Like a Dan Doriani, one commentator said, the Bible never views doubt as an activity or condition that is good in itself. Certainly the Psalms encourage believers to take their questions to God when he is hidden or when evil seems stronger than good. We must admit our doubts in order to seek the truth. Jesus was also always tender with doubters, but still doubt is never intrinsically good. Doubt is something we work through to grow in faith, friends. We tend to doubt God, of course, specifically, I think, when we face hard times. 
Uh, we allow doubts to keep us from God, keep us from his church, uh, and they can actually pull us away from him. You, know, you talk to people, someone who says, well, I had a bad experience in a church, and so I don't ever want to go back to church. And you say, well, how long ago was that? Ten years ago. Wow, it's about time maybe to think about letting that go and moving on. You allow doubts to keep you from God. That's unwise. Wisdom is to trust God. Friends, we should pray, as it says here, with confidence then, with faith. Uh, don't pray and say, God, if you can do anything, then I'm going to ask you for this. <laughs> That's not a good way to start your prayer. God, if you are really there, then do this. That, again, that's, that doesn't sort of demonstrate much faith. Lord, if I can't do this by myself, will you help me do this? Again, that's not the example of faith. Lord, I know you can answer this. Lord, I know you'll do what is ultimately good. But I want your will to be done. Let's make a decision. Be confident and firm about it. Choose this day whom you will serve. <laughs> Put your trust in God. Put all your chips in. Trust him and then ask him big, faithful prayers. That's what he has in mind here. God, do mighty things. Do mighty things in my life. Do mighty things at our church family. Do mighty things in the mission field. I trust you. I believe in you. My confidence is in you. I put all my hope in you. Hear my prayer. Give me wisdom. Friends, ask God for wisdom for this new year. It's 2018. We need it. So let's ask. Recognize that God gives generously. That's his very character. And when you ask him, don't be full of doubt. We ended last year talking about the Word of God. And Jesus, of course, is the Word of God in the flesh. We also learned that Jesus is the wisdom of God. Uh, the wisdom of God in the flesh as well. That when we walk with him, when we live for him, when we grow in relationship with him, friends, we grow in wisdom. May God give us wisdom this new year. Pray with me. Our gracious Father, thank you for being with us on this cold morning, and yet your very presence with us by your Spirit is an encouragement and a blessing to us. Continue to strengthen us, Lord, in our faith in you. I do pray for anyone here, Lord, who perhaps does struggle with doubt, is not sure what they believe about you. Help them, Lord, as they openly and honestly work through their doubts as they seek answers to those hard questions as they maybe struggle with some anger they have with you some frustration may they learn may they see may they recognize that God you are a gracious and merciful God who works out your perfect plan but all in your time and all in your way Lord, we pray for wisdom for our church. We pray for each of us individually here, Lord, that we would be wise this new year. Even as we recognize that our lives are in so many ways a compilation of the decisions we've made, good and bad, we look to you for wisdom going forward to make good decisions, to take the right path, to follow the Lord Jesus wherever that may lead. Help us to recognize, Lord, that this is a prayer that you love to answer that you give generously, Lord, that you do so without reproach, and that you love when your people go to you and ask you for this. We recognize that we lack it. We recognize, Lord, that we are in need of wisdom regularly, and we look to you to provide it. Be glorified, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.